with the, the heading of belonging. But I wasn't really sure where this fit with some of the things that I've been sharing. But with that word, I think God's preparing a ground. Because if he's going to do any sort of revival type work within a community, people have to know that they belong. There has to be a sense of unity where, where bitterness and offence has been left behind. Because in the presence of God, that stuff just burns up. So all I'm saying, whatever I've got to say today... Take it, receive it. I think God's doing and about to do something with it. So um, hold on to your hats because revival starts in us. Yeah. Revival starts within you and me where we get excited about the things of God. And as that actually overflows from us, we start to see and experience the outworking of that tangibly. I'm personally tired of having the occasional miracle, the occasional answer of prayer, you know, the occasional move of God's spirit. I, I, I sense his presence in this place all the time. I sense it when I'm worshipping in my car. It's so hard not to keep your eyes closed for me when I worship. <laughs> Open your eyes, Andrew. Anyway, it's okay. That's what cruise control's for, Christine. Um, that's not how it works? Oh, no. Oh, wow. God really has been with me then, eh? Um, I, I just... I, I just I feel and I want to declare and proclaim, I believe God's doing a work. Ballarat shouldn't yeah. ever be left out of what God's doing around our country. Yeah, yeah And I, I continue to say I love, I, I do appreciate Bethel Church, Bill Johnson, the family, what they bring. But the fact that they're in Reading, that's an out-of-the-way place of 100,000 people. Sounds a lot like Ballarat, an out-of-the-way place with 100,000-odd people, yeah? yeah. Yet their church over the years has grown and doesn't have an influence just for their city but for their nation and, the na and, and across the globe. And so whether that's what God has in store for us, I certainly know that he can do something in this city with us and through us and through the churches here. Amen? Amen. So let's pray. Let's go with this. Let's see what happens. The last time I spoke, I spoke about uh, from 1 Corinthians 13. I was talking about love. And there was that little bit of a challenge for us to see where we sit in all of that. Um, but I thought it was a good day. I thought it was an uplifting day. I'm going to jump into 1 Corinthians 14. And it really continues with this sense of belonging, belonging because we need to know what we believe. Yeah, you, you, need to, you can't be a Collingwood supporter and hang around at the Western Bulldogs. You know, it just, even though they may love you there, you're just not going to be a right fit. You need to know where you belong, right? And we need to know what God is saying to us. Because what, what I love about this church, what I love about Family Life Church is the people, is that each and every one of us, I believe, those that come from Sunday to Sunday, those that appear at our friendship groups on a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, those that, that watch online, is there's a, a, a sincere and genuine love for God. Yeah. yeah? And, and that, for me, speaks so deeply that people actually have a love for the Word of God. And more so, I've actually learnt that because of their love, that discipleship is pandemic-proof. When you love God enough, it doesn't matter what you're going through. It doesn't matter the season that you're in. It doesn't matter if you're in a first-world country in lockdown or in a third-world country with bombs flying overhead. You actually still grow in faith when you have a deep love for God. That's why I love this house, because that's what I, I believe. They're the type of people that are here, that join us, that are part of us. You know, you, you hear that, 
You hear that in the worship. The, what you, a lot of people don't hear, and, and, and you at home, is often the guys that are on the stage share things like this. I had to stop singing for a moment. I had to step back from my microphone for a moment because as I was worshipping, it sounded like there were hundreds and hundreds of voices coming back. And so I stepped back or I stopped singing and I opened my eyes and think, oh, wow, where's all of that coming from? You know, my daughter has shared over the years the different angels that she sees, you know, often. There are people that see into the spiritual realm, believe it or not. <laughs> and I love the fact that she's often shared, even when she visited recently, she goes, there's that particular angel again. She'll tell you what, what the angel wears. She'll tell you about the ones like, like in those old movies where they're sitting on those building rafters that sit across the rafter there and, and they're childlike and what they're wearing. God loves this house. God loves his house across the board. And this is our house, but it's our home. It's his house, but our home. And we're one family, amen? So 1 Corinthians 14, I'm going to jump. That's not my water. Don't drink that. Who knows what germs are in that? I think it's Ross's. Anyway, we're going to go from verse 6. <laughs> With no added extras. Father... We just pray that you would move, that you would speak to us, Lord, that the things would land where they need to land. But more importantly, God, that you continue to soften our hearts, that, Lord, we would be more like your son, Jesus. Father, that we would learn to love as he loved, that we would learn to trust you as he trusted you. Father, that we could be and will be the hands and feet extended that you need in this place for your people at this time. So have your way today, Holy Spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. So from verse 6, and it reads, Now, brothers and sisters, if I come to you and speak in tongues, what good will I be to you? This is such a, a, such a cool passage of Scripture because um, there's so much confusion around it, I reckon. Unless I bring you some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or word of instruction. So what good are, what good are tongues? Even in the case of lifeless things that make sounds, such as the pipe or harp, how will anyone know what tune is being played unless there is a distinction in the note? So a clarity, yeah? Needs to be clarity. Again, if the trumpet does not sound a clear call, who will get ready for battle? So it is with you, unless you speak intelligible words with your tongue, how will anyone know what you're saying? You would just be speaking into the air. Undoubtedly, there are all sorts of languages in the world, yet none of them is without meaning. If then I do not grasp the meaning of what someone is saying, I'm a foreigner to the speaker, and the speaker is a foreigner to me. So it is with you, since you're eager for gifts of the Spirit, try to excel in those that actually build up the church. I think verse 8, in those verses 6 to 12, verse 8 actually summarises it all. And verse 8 reads this, Again, if the trumpet does not sound a clear call, who will get ready for battle? See, the context of all of those verses is actually about the body of Christ. It's actually about belonging. It's about worship. It's about spiritual gifts. Actually, all of Corinthians is about some of that stuff. 
But what you and I have to remember in getting some context so that we can understand what, what Paul's trying to teach us is that the Corinthian church was all over the place. It, it, was, a, it was a shamozzle. Yeah. It, it, was a, it was a total mess. And, and Paul was continually bringing correction or trying to be corrective, trying to give them a, a scope of how you live out this Christian life with one another. And all he was trying to do and what he continued to try to do was align them to bring them into unity. Because why? Because where there's unity, the Lord commands the blessing, it says in the Psalms, doesn't it? So he's trying to bring unity. And remember, unity doesn't mean uniformity. It doesn't mean we have to think the same. Exactly. Even our theology outside of the core stuff can be a little bit off. You know? Thanks, mate. It doesn't have to be unison. Yeah, unity is when we come along each, alongside each other and even if we disagree in part, yeah, we still love one another the way Christ loved us. That's the way unity works. And where unity works like that, God commands the blessing. Where unity works like that, revival breaks out in each person because they discover a place where they're accepted. They find value and worth. They know they belong. All of a sudden, God can do a work. It overflows from them. Yeah. Now, this passage of Scripture actually has these opposing almost theological thoughts or positions, if you want to call them positions. And, and we've got to focus on them because I think it's important for us to be grounded here. As I said, the word I felt God say was, was that he's preparing a ground. Yeah? So I, I'm believing that this is a part of that. Now, these two positions, they're outside of our normal faith. It, does, it doesn't affect whether you're saved or not saved. But so often, they're the things that are, that are the, talked about the most, the strongest, the loudest. They seem to consume believers. And often you get believers that are on one side believing this or on the other side. And sometimes, not only are they on opposing sides, sometimes you get people that are extreme on either. Extremist, yeah? Now, so we'll dive in. First of all, what we have in that passage of Scripture and in Corinthians is one group, a position they take as cessationalists or cessationalists. In other words, they don't believe that the gifts of God are for today. Yeah? They don't believe that the Spirit moves today. So the gifts of the Spirit that we've actually talked about when I spoke from 1 Corinthians 12 and 13 and even Romans 12, they're no longer for today. Today we're just believers and we have no gifts <laughs> because... I'll get into that, yeah? That's what they believe. That's great. Well, it's like being a footballer without a football in it. Like, seriously, how stupid can you be and still breathe? John MacArthur, many of you have heard of John MacArthur, and I actually think he's an awesome theologian. I use a lot of his stuff, his commentaries. I, a lot of his teaching is actually really wonderful. I've used his quotes in church, yet John MacArthur actually would say that, you know, He's a cessationalist. That's the position that he takes. That's his thought, his theology. Often people who think that way are quite firm in their beliefs. Yeah? Often they can be outspoken, that the gifts and the spirit no longer applies. Yet you and I, we have to be really careful because the most natural reading of the scripture is often exactly what the scripture says. Yeah? Now, the, the, the cessationalist, their argument comes from 1 Corinthians 
13, eight to, verses 8 to 10, love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will cease. Yeah? Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, we prophesy in part, and their clincher is verse 10. But when completeness comes, or perfection comes, or perfect, when Jesus comes, what is in part disappears. So their argument is that perfection, completeness, Jesus has come. And so now, that, that has actually fulfilled the canon of Scripture. That has fulfilled what this passage is talking about. Because completeness has come. That's their, their argument. So when, when that comes, all of the gifts disappear. When perfect comes, when Jesus comes, it's done. That's it. Gifts were for then, not for now. There's a reason I have to build a base. I'm believing Jesus for that. The difficulty for me in that is the Greek word for completeness is, is teleion, if I pronounce it right. Teleion. Anyway. Someone will get it right. Look it up. T-A-L and the rest of the alphabet. It means final end. Yeah? It means final end. So believers would say that the natural reading, the natural reading of the, the scripture of final end is the second coming of Jesus because it's the final end when he comes back. So, so that means that the spiritual gifts are for now, but they're not for eternity because we won't need them in, in heaven. We're going to be with God. Yeah? So Jesus will come. We'll have a different setting in heaven. The cessationists would argue with that. But now there's something more in the story in 1 Corinthians 12 and 14 because we actually have 14 references to tongues. There's many of us in this room that speak in tongues. Am I correct? And there are many in this room and they're watching at home that don't speak in tongues. Do you know, outside of 1 Corinthians 12 and 14, there are only two references to tongues. Only two. And, and we've actually talked about one probably six to eight weeks ago. That was in James, when he talks about taming the tongue. But that's not the gift of tongues. That's not the spiritual gift of being able to speak in the angelic tongue. Then there's another reference in Revelation. Revelation 12 talks about those that are under judgment actually gnaw on their tongues. Could you imagine that? Anyone ever bitten their tongue? Like it hurts. Imagine gnawing on it, like just getting in and deep, you know? You feel that? Yeah, and that's got nothing to do with the spiritual gift either. Yeah, so they, they're the only two references that we have outside of 1 Corinthians 12 to 14 about the gift of tongues. So, so this is the only teaching that we actually have on it. So here we are in 1 Corinthians, and the church is upside down. Yeah? It's, it's a mess. And, and, and people, there's an issue, because people have to learn to, one, to, to love one another when they're disagreeing on stuff, and they've got all this stuff that they disagree with, even then. Actually, even now in church, the, the gifts are for today, the gifts are for today. You have to speak in tongues, you don't have to speak in tongues. They, they're an absolute... There's no revival going to break out in that environment ever. There's no sense of belonging or family because they all want to be right. Yeah? You can see where there could be a journey where, where this becomes, especially after Pentecost. Think about Pentecost. You have this explosion, this explosive impact on the day of Pentecost. Where, where people actually heard others speaking in their own language. How freaky is that? How cool is that? 
Could it be that the Corinthians had made that a part of their worship? Could it be that the Corinthians actually made it part of their spiritual diet? And so Paul, now in writing this chapter, is trying to wean them off that because that's not important. That's not going to build up the body of Christ. Then, on top of this cessationist stuff, you've got another position, the charismatics. In the charismatic world, you're going to come across two things, yeah? The emphasis on the Holy Spirit and how important the Holy Spirit is. You go to a conservative church, they won't talk about the Holy Spirit. Won't even mention the King James Holy Ghost. Like it's Father, Son and the other bloke. You're like They don't talk about... Let's face it, we need the Holy Spirit. We, we need the Holy Spirit. We cannot be saved without the Holy Spirit. In fact, we can't even believe in Jesus, it says in 1 Corinthians 12, without the Holy Spirit. Romans 8 and 9 tells us that the Holy Spirit is so much a part of us, it actually makes up who we are as believers. He's the third person of the Trinity. And now you've got the charismatics and the cessationists and you've got the extreme. So sometimes the more Pentecostal charismatic, their theology, they start talking about a second blessing. Yeah? Second baptism, if you will, for those that have heard that. You get converted and, and then you kind of get filled and blessed with the Holy Spirit later and sometimes it can happen when they lay hands on you and you may receive the Holy Spirit at that point of prayer. I'm not denying that at all. This is what I see. When I look back at the passages in Acts, it's really important that we know where we stand as a people and as a church. Yeah? When I look back at Acts, we actually find people who were baptised in the Holy Spirit yeah, at a prayer meeting and not only were they baptised, they spoke in tongues, Acts chapter 2. But yet at another prayer meeting, they were baptised but there was no tongues evident, Acts chapter 4 verse 31. Sometimes the Spirit came after baptism with the laying on of hands with no tongues mentioned at all, Acts 8. Other times we're told that not told the specifics of how or when someone was baptised in the Spirit, Acts 9. Read it for yourself. So what I believe is this, baptism in the Spirit can happen at the time of conversion. Absolutely. The minute that we're baptised, we receive the Spirit of God in His fullness. Yeah? Before water baptism, with tongues even. And prophecy accompanying it. Acts chapter 10. In other words, conversion and receiving the Spirit of God go together. But I also believe that it can happen after water baptism with the laying on of hands accompanied by tongues and prophecy. Acts chapter 2. Seen it. I believe as we hear and speak to people like things that are happening in Richmond and in Queensland with Fire Church and others, as you speak to them, yeah, what you'll find is those people have experienced revival in their churches and in their cities. They often say that they believe in a second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth, 
Tenth blessing even. Why? <laughs> really simple. A continual refilling of the Holy Spirit as we journey in our faith. Because we receive the Holy Spirit, but let, let's face it, who knows life can suck. And as life sucks, it actually sucks. Right? It's like we leak. It's like a car's got a crack in their radiator and we leak this stuff and sometimes we need to be refilled in the Holy Spirit. I say all of that to say, if anyone's asking about Family Life Church, it's really simple. There does seem to be a work here with God who likes diversity and he likes variety and we don't have to be trapped just here or just here. Yeah? So my suggestion is, you and I, we need to start to appreciate and like diversity and variety. Yeah. So we have the cessationist position, the gifts are no longer, we've got the charismatic with tongues and let's not even get into healing. I believe God heals everybody. I also believe we don't always see it. Yeah. But some people are still so staunch in that God heals everybody that when they don't see it, somebody's out of the will of God. Oh, again, how stupid can you be and still breathe? I'm okay offending people these days. I'm just all right with it. I'm, I'm good with it. You know, like it, the most simple reading of the scripture is often the correct and most accurate reading of the scripture, yeah? So they, we've got these two different views. But what's Paul teaching? Verse 8, again, if the trumpet does not sound a clear call, who will get ready for battle? People cannot hear the call of God. Because they're so caught up on stuff, they don't even know what they believe and what they don't believe. They're too busy arguing to actually have ears open to what God's trying to do and say. You know, I've heard so many say that if you don't speak in tongues, you're not filled with the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Go tell that to a missionary who's lost his life. Sorry, you went overseas, you weren't filled with the Holy Spirit. That's probably why you lost your life. But if you spoke in tongues, then you would have been baptised with the Holy Spirit. Really? I think, considering that we only have two chapters of the Bible that talk about tongues, I think it's a bit of a stretch to make the day of Pentecost the only way it can happen. But my God is much bigger than that. Much bigger than that. You know, that was a super special day when the Holy Spirit was just poured out in the lives of all the believers. You know, I don't agree that receiving the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues goes together. Offended people there too now. Look at that. People just switched off online. Our God's diverse. I know people that receive the gift of tongues months, years after their conversion. Months, years after being baptised in the water. Months and years after the laying on of hands. And I know others that got baptised, got prayed on, and and off they go. Should have bought a Honda when I should have bought a Hyundai. Off they went, speaking in tongues, yeah? God is not limited. In all of this, we need wisdom. So... This is the context of, of, of where the Corinthians were at. And then Paul even says, and, and I want you, to two or, th two or three of you to share 
It's not even that it was an ideal thing. It seems he's going from a, a, a cacophony of noise, a, a, a noisy mess, where, where the Corinthian church is in such a discord. There's such a racket, such a lack of order. And he's saying, I need to give you some rules. I just need to give you some, some guidelines because you guys are just out of whack. I just need to give you some order because God... Is a God of order. And God's people need clarity. You and I, we need clarity. Why? Because So we can hear, and we need to, we need to hear the trumpet call clearly. And if we don't have clarity, we won't hear that trumpet call. You know, I'm learning more and more that Father God, get this, this is Revelation, it's going to blow your minds. He speaks plainly. If you're unsure of something, you may not have heard it yet. If there's some trepidation, maybe he's asking you to step out of a boat where the water's really deep. But he speaks plainly. I have shared time and time again here of the time where, like, I just love it because it was so clear, where I went into my pocket. I used to have a money clip. And my, I used to have my notes folded. Look, I've only got fives left. I used to have notes folded in my money clip. And just because my OCD, the bigger notes would be on the outside, a 50, 20, 10, 5. That's how I would do it. And I always, I've given online forever. But I was somewhere, the, the, the basket was going around to give. So I went in and I felt two notes in my money clip. I knew one was a 50 and I knew one was a 5. So I went into my money clip and I pulled out the 5 yeah, for when the basket went past. Please don't be offended. Hear my heart. I heard God clearly. Tight ass. <laughs> my God doesn't speak like that. He's holy. Well, you know what? He got my attention. Flat out got my, and I'm like, come on, God, seriously, that's all I've got for the week. You know, I'm having this, you know when you have those conversations in a split second? That's all I've got for the week. Tight ass. <sighs> he likes a cheerful giver. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, uh, okay, I heard you, I heard you, okay, okay. 50 went back, the five went back in the pocket, the 50 came out. I was smiling, but one part of my face was gritting. It was like, I'm going to get you, God. I'm going to get you. Right? I walk into the church here, and I shared this with someone the other day, and, and there was a, a, a plastic cup from Macca's. So who knows where it flown in from? And I walked past it, and I said, this quick, I said, I'll pick that up on the way out. And God goes, will you just? Will I just? Yes. I said I would. Will you just? All right, okay, I get it. Pick it up now. God speaks clearly. He speaks plainly like he does. We just have to have ears open. We need to hear the trumpet call of God because when he speaks plainly, the rocks shatter. When he speaks plainly, yeah, stuff's leveled. He's not a God of disorder. He's not a God of confusion. The enemy's the confuser. The only time God brings confusion is stuff like the Tower of Babel. Like he's trying to bring a message across. But in our everyday life, he's not a God of confusion. He's a God of clarity. God is the revealer. He makes the word plain that leads to clarity and peace. 
All of the promises that we all hold on to come from here, don't they? Makes it plain. Clarity and peace. And so we've got this background of our reading that talks about languages and tongues and needing to understand things clearly. You know, that the Tower of Babel is a really good thing to look at because the Lord scatters the people, the people of Babel. And, and the idea of Babel, it was like a one-world government. Seriously, it was like a one-world government and like a world unity. They were trying to come together to take over the world. Now, how did the Tower of Babel work out? In the end, the Lord brought his own judgment and he brought confusion, not to believers, but people that were trying to take over, people that were a mess. That's, that's why it's called Babel or Babel. That's where we get the word Babel from, is from the Tower of Babel. And, and this is our world today. You think about it. We've got the internet, the information highway, and, and people are so confused. And in fact, people are more separated now using the very technology that was supposed to draw us together. So man, mankind, we cannot, for whatever reason, we can't create this unity that God desires from us, that sense of belonging. It can only come from him. We need to hear his trumpet for us to be united under him. It's his house. It's our home. We're one family. And we'll know when we, where we belong when we start to hear his very plain and clear voice and not having our own little pulpits to stand on, I guess. You know, in Acts chapter 2, there's this explosive apostolic blessing of God where, where the gospel just went out and the Holy Spirit came. Wouldn't that be cool? Where the tongues of fire just came and fell on people's heads and didn't burn their hair. That's just like really cool. You know, and they start speaking in tongues. But for me, the miracle's not just in the angelic tongue. For me, the miracle is that each understood it in their own language. How can the church miss that? How can they not teach that and so focus on the angelic tongue? You've got people of different nations hearing in their own languages. I mean, that's the miraculous. There's the pouring out of the Spirit on the day of Pentecost. What was and is probably one of the most powerful manifestations of God and, and of the gospel word in history at one moment. 3,000 3, got baptised. And heard stuff in their own language. I mean, that's brilliant. And then, all of a sudden, as we read all of that stuff, all of a sudden we land on 1 Corinthians 12 to 14. And then it seems to appear out of nowhere. And, and I can't work out whether Paul's correcting it because that was a practice over the local church. It doesn't say. Or whether it was manifest just in Corinth. But I, I know this. First of all, we've got the epistles. Then there's this silence. This silence where nothing happens. And, and this is why I think the sensationalists, the, they get their position because it's almost recognised in the flow of history. You know, this, we've, it was just this silence. And then we have what we consider to be the canon of Scripture. And praise God for this. Because yes, we worship Father, Son and Holy Ghost, but we wouldn't know Father, Son and Holy Ghost primarily if it wasn't for this. Yes, now we have an intimate relationship with him that grows on this. It's built on this foundation. It never contradicts this, you know. We have the scripture, so it's important for us to understand the word is our foundation. You know, I've tried to, I guess I've tried to summarise as best I could how the Christian world looks at chapter 14. 
you know, seeing that Paul is calling for clarity and for a trumpet sound to be heard clearly and understood. You know, if ever there was going to be a supernatural manifestation, it should always bring clarity, not chaos. If there's a supernatural manifestation that's bringing chaos, walk away from it. It's not from God. The stuff that I'm hearing at Richmond and other places, things, it might be chaotic, <laughs> but it's not chaos. Yeah. Most of us have heard about the Welsh Revival. If you've spent any time with Gary Morgan here, Gary loves to talk about the Welsh Revival. The Welsh Revival was a, was a phenomenal move, move of God. It literally blew things up. Well, it, was, it was an insane revival. And they actually say that one of the most beautiful things was that a song would start over there and then another song would start over there, another song, and it would, would be a harmony of stuff happening at different places. And in fact, in that day, the newspaper reporters, the worldly newspaper reporters, actually wrote and were saying that something magnificent was taking place that could only be a manifestation of God. Well, that's awesome, isn't it? So even though it was chaotic in the sense of people pouring into churches, you know, during that revival, I don't know how I feel about this, during that revival, people were so pouring into churches, they were smashing the windows to get in. Otherwise, they couldn't fit. Just to make room to get in, they were smashing the windows. Man, our insurance would hate us, but how cool would that be? Yeah? We need the windows fixed again. Didn't we just fix them last week? Yeah, we did, but they're still coming. You know? That would be so good. He turned the world upside down. Nonetheless, there was a clear trumpet sound. And, 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 even then, 115 years ago, the message is still clear. If you look up anything about the Welsh Revival, the message is clear. Confess your sins. Yeah? Proclaim Jesus as Lord. Remove any doubt that you might have. Obey every prompting of the Holy Spirit. That message, the trumpet sound, was clear. They heard it. We still hear it now. You know... Paul wants us to hear a very clear trumpet sound. He wants us to, to preach a very clear gospel. Our preaching doesn't have to be wise or with persuasive words. Our, our preaching, our, our storytelling, our gospel telling just has to have a demonstration of the Spirit's power often or not. Yeah, More often than not. May signs, miracles and wonders follow the what? Preaching of the word. Come on. You know, may the Tower of Babel not manifest itself in the church with a spirit of confusion. May it not. You know, we need to make sure that we're always being driven back to the Word of God. And if the Word of God clashes our thoughts, if the Word of God clashes with our culture, so be it. Let's get down on our knees and pray it through. You know, I know very clearly that sensationists, if anyone's listening that, that is of that ilk, that if they're listening today, I would say that they might be a little bit disappointed or angry with what some of the stuff I've already shared. I also know that some of the Pentecostal charismatics might not agree with some of my thinking on, on how the baptism of the Holy Spirit works. I know this, though. I got it from here. Yeah, not some made-up story, some once-in-a-lifetime event. I got it from the word that's my foundation. And you know what's more important than either of those two positions, those two theologies? You know what's more important than that? First scripture, because I want to know what the scripture says, not what those two labels say. 
But this relationship for me is far more important than any of that. I want to have an intimate relationship with the Father, with the Son and the Holy Spirit where he leads me in my walk, where he adds value to my life, where then I can add value to others. Because in that relationship, it helps me make sense of the Word of God. In that relationship, the Word of God's not clashing. You know, I noticed over the years that there's always labels, there's all these positions. You know, for those that love their theology and read all of that stuff, I'm Arminian, I'm this, I'm that, I'm cessationist, I'm, you know, I, I'm, I'm charismatic, I'm, I'm Pentecostal. You know, there's a thousand labels that are out there, but I, I had a, an old pastor that used to say this. And on this, her theology was brilliant. Whatever label you wear, when you've been taken to heaven, it's going to fly off anyway. And whatever, way, whatever label you wear, if you've been taken down to hell, it's going to burn off anyway. Yeah. Either way, labels aren't going to exist. Amen? It's when we align ourselves to him. It's when we align ourselves to his word. That's the trumpet. You've got to hear me. That's the trumpet. It's not our pulpit. It's not what we think's right over what they think's right. It's when we align ourselves to him, to Jesus, to his word. That's the trumpet sound that we need. And Paul's just trying to say to us, God's a God of order. Know that he's a God of order. He brings clarity. He brings intelligibility. He brings things that are really plain. You don't have to argue in the mess of that stuff. You know, clarity matters in what we share. You know, Paul says in verse 19, and, and these words would, would be like a, a knife to the charismatic. I consider myself Pentecostal charismatic. But this would be a stunning thing for them to hear. In 1 Corinthians 14, 19, it says, But in the church I would rather speak five intelligible words. Five! Five! Mum, can I have some food? Burp, can't do that, Nath. Five! Five, only five. <laughs> Jesus loves me, I know. Yeah, that's five, that's good. To instruct others in 10,000 words in a what? In a tongue. I love speaking in tongues. It edifies my spirit. Yeah, Builds faith in me. It's not going to do that in you. You know, I think that the most neglected thing on the day of Pentecost was the miracle of each hearing in their own language. My prayer is that here in this place, when the Spirit of God breaks out, not when he just visits here or there, it's, like he, it's almost like he's, he's got holy water. He goes, I'll give you a bit of a blessing here, a bit of a blessing there, you know. But when he breaks out, is regardless of the tongue that's being spoken, is that we will all hear in the same language. Now let there be a clear order. Let us be a people that honour one another. Why don't we stand? I've got too much stuff to go through. I don't need to. I think I've said what God wants to say. The Holy Spirit will never do anything that will contradict this, the Scripture. And the Scripture, think about it, is given to us in the power of the Holy Spirit. So... If Scripture is our reference point and our starting line and it's been given to us by the Holy Spirit, if we stick to that Scripture, then we can't go wrong, if that's our foundation. And from there, from there, God then can give us pictures and visions 
and imaginations and illustrations from there. Because he speaks to us through his word, doesn't he? And he speaks to us through one another, doesn't he? You ever had someone speak to you and they just share something and you walk away and you go, man, that was on the money. You ever had someone share a word of wisdom and you walked away thinking, I cannot believe it just came from that person. Yeah? Ever had that happen? Happens all the time to me through my kids. Holy Spirit. Mm. Holy Spirit speaking through them. Always. Speaks to us through the prayers of his people. He speaks to us through those words of wisdom from somebody, somebody we know, and sometimes somebody that walks in off the street. Yeah? God can and does speak, and he does so in many ways. We just need to be clear on what we know and understand so that we can actually build a base where people belong. So when God wants to move, his revival spirit through this place. It won't matter whether you're a flat-out extreme Pentecostal or whether you're only a 10% or whether you're almost on this side of conservatism, <laughs> heaven forbid. But you know what I'm saying? You know that it won't matter because I'm going to love you anyway. I'm going to be Christ to you anyway. I'm going to be Jesus anyway. And when we're there, anyone that walks through the door, won't matter what colour... They are, won't matter what clothes they wear, won't even matter how they smell, though that's a tough one. Anyway, when they walk through the door, we will love them anyway, yeah? I'm believing God is preparing a ground for here, and I'm believing for our community. Let's believe that together, amen? Yeah? Let's pray. We all need wisdom when it comes to this stuff. So let's come away from today knowing his trumpet call is clear. It's clear that it will lead us forward in battle and it's clear, so clear that we will know where we belong. So Father, move in this place. Move in our hearts, God. Move in our minds, in our soul, in our strength. Lord, that every single part of us, Lord, a 100% of us, God, 110% of us, God. Lord, you know, the, the, the bits that we didn't even know that existed, God, may all of us. Lord, hear that clear trumpet call. May all of us be able to love as you loved. Father, you sent your one and only Son, that whosoever would believe would not perish, but have everlasting eternal life. God, may we, Lord, may we learn to love like that. May this be a place where everyone belongs. Every race, every creed, every ethnicity, every height, God, every size, Lord, every, Lord, just where people can come and discover the love of God. And Lord, we just say, continue to prepare the ground here. Continue to prepare the ground for what you want to do, Lord. Lord, in our community, Lord, in our family, in our state, in our country. Lord, we just say, Lord, we're ready for you to move. Lord, start revival within us, that revival might come through us for those that are around us. May they, this be, Father, the, 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 the reading. You know, the Bethel, so to speak, the reading of, of Australia. May something happen here that's so great, Lord, that people will be breaking in the windows to get in just to make room. So we do love you, God. We give you all the glory, give you all the honour. And all these people said, Amen. Amen.